0: You could be the best part of that kid's day, you know? Just you and the energy, the environment, being around that team, man, that could be the best part of a kid's day. Who are you to, to take away from that, to, to be, you know, an energy vampire, you know, just draining the life out of anything? You know, you've got to build that relationship with them outside first and show that you care about them as a person. But it's healthy competition. Nobody's putting anybody down. You know, we don't tolerate
1: that in here. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. It's another beautiful opportunity to learn from each other and from an amazing guest that I have on here today. But first, be sure to share this episode on social media, leave a rating, subscribe to the newsletter, maybe even pick yourself up a sticker. Hop on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com. Here in episode 40, oh my gosh, we to 40, we are joined by the head strength and conditioning coach at Lawrenceburg High School in Indiana, DeMarco Henry. In the conversation, DeMarco dives into why it's important to be vulnerable in front of your athletes, what it's like to work with a wide range of students, how a community is dealing with a tragic loss, and tons of ideas to help your kiddos get the most out of their time in the weight room. Can't wait for all of you to learn so much from Coach Henry. As always, a monumental thank you for tuning into the program today. And a huge thank you to our loyal sponsors. You already know by now, but just in case, I'm talking about Will and the gang over at Netting Pros. Designing facility improvement? You bet. Specializing in fabrication and installation of custom netting? Check. Digital graphic wall padding? Of course. Windscreen, turf, turf protectors, benches, cubbies, and more? Absolutely. Obviously, baseball and softball are giant markets for netting professionals, but they have customers in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field, golf courses, strength and conditioning places such as, I don't know, a high school weight room, and just about any sport you can imagine. They are truly making facilities better all across this country, providing high quality products and services to recreational college professional professionals. And of course, the place we all care about high school facilities, fields, courses and stadiums throughout the country. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website nettingpros.com or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. They are amazing and they're improving programs one facility at a time can't thank them enough for everything that they do, not only for sponsoring this podcast and pretty much all the podcasts that have come before, but for sponsoring the newsletter that comes out every single Wednesday morning. And also in this past week for sponsoring the first ever high school coaches club chat. that was held this past Tuesday, be on the lookout for the next one because it was fire. So anyway, let's dive in. It's episode 40 with DeMarco Henry. All right, I'm joined by DeMarco. Thanks for jumping on the show with me. Hey, no problem, Max. Appreciate you for having me, man. Uh, in, in college, uh, you know, you played football, uh, did track and field. Um, I know that you mentioned your brother uh, played basketball at Michigan State and right be kind of semi-famous. He was a good basketball player, too, or is a good basketball player, but semi-famous for getting reamed by Coach Izzo in 2019. <laughs> Uh, you also mentioned your uncle was, uh, you know, scholarship full back at Louisville. Ended up getting shot and getting paralyzed from the waist down. Like, what are family dinners like at your house? Dude,
0: I mean, you know, sports was always just kind of like the thing growing up um, for all of us. Uh, especially, you know, most of the family, you know, we're boys. So it was always, you know, ultra competitive and, you know, who could, who could do this better or, or whatever. But, dude, family dinners, I mean... You know, whenever we had him, because we were always at practice, man. So <laughs> we, we were always at practice. But, man, Aaron, um, my brother Aaron, he's a ball of energy, dude. I mean, like from the time he was little enough to like put a shot up on a nerf rim, there wasn't a Saturday morning that went by for years without him banging on that rim at six in the morning, you know. So <laughs> for him to to be where he's at now, uh, it, it was – I can't say it was a matter of time, you know, a lot of things had to happen, but so proud of him, man. Cause he definitely, he worked his butt off. My uncle, uh, Herb Henry was fullback at, uh, at Louisville, uh, in the nineties. And like I said, you know, um, his story is his freshman year. Um, he was at a party, you know, wrong place, wrong time and, uh, ended up getting shot, um, you know, in the, in an altercation that, you know, he really wasn't having a major role in and, uh, you know, his life took a different course for it, but the resiliency that he showed and just the mindset that he has about his situation um, and, you know, his approach that he's not going to let anything stop him from achieving his dreams, his goals. He still plays wheelchair basketball, was a national champion uh, in a wheelchair basketball, National Wheelchair Basketball Association. And um, I want to say like 2008. So, you know, it's, it's a it's a never say die mentality, man. It's <laughs> that's just what it is.
1: Oh, we, were, we were also just talking off air, although it's, a much, much, it's not getting shot or anything like that, but um, talking about kids being resilient and, and stuff like that and how you just had a, a flight. You basically got no sleep. You jump off the flight, then you're off to a football workout and it's t- time to go and be a, be a coach and then get done with that. Now we're on a podcast together. So I uh, just really appreciate you coming on here in what's obviously been a busy 24 hours or so.
0: Nah, man, I appreciate the opportunity, man. It's it's funny, like I say, getting off that plane, I was feeling sorry for myself, but I see, you know, 50, 60 football guys all lined up on the goal line, you know, as I'm pulling into the facility. So, you know, they were ready to go, and they they weren't going to accept anything less out of me than what I'm going to expect out of them. So, um, that's that was something I was actually really proud of, really happy about today, man. Was my guys, you know, they told me basically just get right. So <laughs> I'm all for
1: it. that's something with with coaching that. Sometimes it's hard to get into that mode because you're as a, you know, as kids, we have a lot of stuff going on too, but as adults, we have so many things happening in our lives all the time and so many different things to be thinking about. And sometimes like you go to practice or a workout or something like that. And it's really easy to like, let that stuff bleed into you and not be focused on the present with the kids. And I've caught myself like that a couple of times too. And I've had kids do kind of do the same thing. Like, Hey, it's go time. Let's go. And just trying to, as a coach, just enjoy the time that you're with kids because uh, all that stuff's still going to be there when you're done <laughs> and no matter what anyway.
0: Exactly, man. Same same, same problems you had going on before, whatever, still going to be there. You might as well enjoy all those kids while you're there. because And that's the biggest thing, too, is like, you never know, man. You could be the best part of that kid's day, you know, just you and the energy, the environment, being around that team, man, that could be the best part of a kid's day. Who are you to, you know, to take away from that, to, to be, you know, an energy vampire, you know, just draining the life out of anything, you know, especially when, hey, you've made it to this point as a coach, like <laughs> you're good to keep pushing. Like I promise. I know we all have our days, but you're be an example, man, of what you want these kids to be. And I'm not saying you got to have the fake positivity all the time. You know, things definitely go left. But, you know, if I'm if I'm going to sit here and expect energy and expect excitement out of our kids, like I can't I can't be uh, hypocritical about it. You know, I got to bring it every single day for them. So yeah. <laughs> I love it.
1: Well, let's let's go back then. Um, like, take me back to your high school days. Where did you go to high school? What were you like during the time? What kind of sports did you get into?
0: Man, so I went to uh, Ben Davis High School in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, around Speedway area, um, west side of four sixty five. But for me in high school, I played football. Um, I threw on the track team, <laughs> um, but. In high school, man, I was a pretty quiet kid for the most part. You know, I had a friend group, pretty solid friend group. We all had our head on straight and we're trying to do as best as we could, you know, academically and athletically. As far as, you know, sports go, man, the type of kid I was, I was a pretty reserved kid. One of the, the biggest things that I think happened in my life was actually moving to Indianapolis from Louisville, Kentucky um, in 2004. That put me in the township that I was in, Wayne Township in a, in Indianapolis, and Ultimately, is hands down why I'm a strength coach today. Um, I got the I was fortunate enough to learn under um, Kevin Vanderbush as an athlete. He was my strength coach, and I got to spend quite a bit of good time in his weight room, uh, being a two sport athlete, and just seeing the way that he did things, the the consistency that he has had now for over 37 years. I mean, to elevate any and every kid that walks in that weight room, regardless of general talent, or training history or, you know, socioeconomic background, his ability to create an environment where every kid is elevated. I was really fortunate to be a part of that. Um, and to be able to reap the benefits of that and have the good sense to be paying attention as a kid, because, you (laughs) know, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't know that this was what I was going to be doing until I was probably a senior in high school, freshman in college. And, um, I started, you know, at the collegiate level, but uh, paying attention and definitely just to the way that he ran things and how he did things consistently for so long and how we understood what the expectation was and how it was expected of us as athletes to uphold it. That was easy to apply once I got here to the high school level as a coach and, you know, create a standard that, in my opinion, we maintain it really well every single day.
1: Well, yeah, you know, creating standards in a weight room is incredibly important. And then it bleeds throughout all the different sports programs within that school. You know, you talk about Kevin Vanderbush, you, you mentioned to me uh, or said to me that he's kind of the godfather of high school strength and conditioning. I know he yeah. just won an award. I think was it the hall of fame that he just went into. What was the big award that yeah, he just won? He
0: just, he just got the hall of fame nod this year through a uh, national high school strength coach, uh, strength coaches association. And, um, That was a really surreal moment for me to get to see him go in, you know, in person. It's a it's a dedication, everything he's done for the industry, for the field over almost, you know, 40 years now. He's widely regarded as the godfather of high school strength and conditioning across the country, um, specifically in the state of Indiana and the Midwest. But everything that he's done for the entire nation, um, you'd be really hard pressed to find other high school strength coaches that don't know his name, what he's done. And he is not directly influenced. I mean, how can you. Here's a guy who on a Google Drive has literally everything he's ever done in the field from his master's thesis um, to the way he runs his strength program, uh, book recommendations, uh, presentations he's done or so many different things. He he has it all on a Google Drive and he, j- he shares it with literally every strength coach or any coach, really, regardless of whether they're a strength coach or not, uh, that he comes into contact with. It's amazing, man. He's he's given so much of himself, and I had no clue who I was learning under <laughs> until uh, probably my senior year. Like I said, my senior year of high school, freshman year of college is when I started to get an idea of okay, I need to I need to have my eyes open here. I'm I'm in front of greatness, you know. <laughs>
1: that's something you don't really realize when you're in high school, when you're around really good coaches, because you're just in your own little world. You're just like, well, he's, he's just my coach. Like that's just the way it is. And a lot of times it's not till later in life. I mean, for you, obviously your senior year, so it probably came earlier than for a lot of us, but a lot of times it's two, three, four, five, maybe even a decade later when you realize, wow, like that guy's like nationally recognized. Like that guy's really special for a lot of people outside of this little world of high school kids that we had.
0: Man. I mean, like imagine, it was crazy. I was sitting at the, at the, uh, national conference, uh, for NH this year in Minnesota, you know, he's giving his hall of fame speech and, you know, 300 coaches sitting in the audience, watching him, listening, just all perked up, just taking in everything that he's saying. And I'm like, wow, it's the same attention from them that we gave him as athletes, you know, as kids, like he's just <laughs> for 40 years, just giving out free game. And it's like, man, like that's what it means to be, you know, just transformational, man, for so many people. He's just so giving of himself and of his time over 40 years. That's been his whole his whole deal has just been service, man. Like, that's his biggest thing. And if there were ever any one quality that I would want to um, embody, you know, as well as he has, it's just being of service to everyone that you come into contact with.
1: Well, so then obviously, you know, you you mentioned senior year, maybe even freshman year of college. You realize this is something – that you kind of wanted to do uh, possibly as a career and, and make a life out of it and kind of be a little bit like Kevin Vanderbush too. And and so what did your, what did your path look like then? So you, you graduate from high school, obviously at Ben Davis, uh, and then now you're at Lawrenceburg. What was the path between those two?
0: Well, um, so I graduated from Ben Davis in 2015. I did my undergrad at DePaul University in 2019 Uh, was when I graduated bachelor's uh, of science and kinesiology. Uh, Then from there, I took a GA position out at Northern Arizona um, in in Flagstaff, Northern Arizona University, where I worked with their sprinters um, as well as their divers and their freshmen cross country, also helped with football. So I got a a chance out there to see a lot of really, uh, really cool things. And that was the first time where... I had control, entire control over my own programming. And that was, that was just an experience where I got to work with some really great athletes and really not so great athletes, uh, but a really amazing staff. Uh, I felt supported from the rest of the strength staff out there from AT. And that was a, a, point, in, a point in time where, you know, I was really, I, I understood that I wanted to be in strength and conditioning, but I hadn't made a final decision on what level I wanted to be at yet. But I'll actually backtrack a little bit in between my well, before my senior year at DePaul, uh, I interned uh, at Purdue in their men's basketball program, uh, as well as uh, helping out with football and uh, swim and dive. But specifically with men's basketball, I was under Gavin Roberts. And uh, Gavin's a really amazing coach, man, because he really allowed me an opportunity as a young coach to make decisions make small decisions wherever he could allow it to happen Uh, whether that was on a bit of programming or maybe helping with some of you know some of the things that he'd already programmed and just running drills or whatever it might have been he allowed me to make decisions and see the consequences uh and results you know whether positive or negative of and understand why i was getting the results that i was so that was the biggest thing for me as a young coach uh, was just being put in a position to make decisions I had to. I had to speak up. I had to be decisive. I had to understand why I was making the decisions I was making, and that ultimately um, helped me get out to Northern Arizona and then back to an assistant position at DePaul before I took a, this job here at Lawrenceburg at
1: the high school level. Did you? Well, I guess you're obviously you're 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 young. Like even for me, I'm like I'm young. You're younger. You're you're oh I'm, you're young man. Yeah, I'm. T- uh, t- I'm you t- got t- a lot of time ahead of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you've got to. Kind of kind of time to see where career path takes you, but um obviously you're at the high school level. Is this where you wanna be? You know, you've obviously done college and high school at the same time. You've you've kind of dipped your toes in both. Is do you see yourself staying at the high school level?
0: One hundred percent. Um yeah. the reason that I that I chose the high school level um was honestly the biggest thing was the kids. Um, I feel like I can make more of an impact as a coach, you know, from just the life lesson standpoint uh, at the high school level rather than collegiately. And not because the kids at the collegiate level aren't receptive or anything like that. But um, this is just a more from ages 14 to 18. Those developmental stages are just a little bit more impactful on a kid's life. And at the high school level, I see them, you know, throughout the day. I see these kids throughout the Mm -hmm. day. I don't just have them for a 40 or 45 minute training session. You know, I might see them in the hallway or at lunch or just, you know, they'll pop in and say hi. Um, You know, it's not like they're just here to get their training and get out for the day. You know, this is a space where they want to be. And so I'm able to have conversations with them and get to know them, their parents, you know, uh, as much as they as much as they want to let me in on. And I that really makes the job, in my opinion, a little bit easier. I've got a little more insight into the other stressors outside of what we do here training. Um, so, you know, I'm able to keep my head up on certain things. It's, yeah, high school level is definitely uh, where I want to be.
1: Very nice. Well, so you're you're obviously at Lawrenceburg. Um, the way that strength and conditioning is done at the high school level is so different, even from district to district, but definitely from state to state. And I know what we do up here in Oregon is super – different compared to what places kind of in different parts of the country do it. So can you kind of get into specifically at Lawrenceburg, but maybe Indiana as a whole, um, if you're a strength and conditioning coach at the high school level, what are your job duties? Like what does that job actually entail from a day-to-day basis?
0: So it depends a lot on the on just the situation you're in. Everyone's a little bit different. Um, specifically, I'm hired on as a physical education teacher and I teach, so we teach eight periods a day here. And I have one prep period. So I've got seven class periods. I teach one regular gym class and then six um, strength and conditioning classes. Uh, eventually here in the next few years, I think the goal is for me to be teaching all seven periods of uh, strength conditioning throughout the day. But it, it, it honestly just depends on the situation. Um, there are some schools who would say, hey, no, we're not going to have the strength, uh, strength conditioning class. You know, we value the academic side of things a little bit more um, where my argument against that, you know, would be, you know, Hey, um, physical activity, specifically strength and conditioning, getting a training session in during the day can elevate mental status, you know, mental health. Um, It's beneficial for their, for, you know, students, academics, just their overall, you know, quality of life. Um, But it ultimately depends. I know that there are some coaches throughout the state who go, before school, after school um, with a bunch of different sessions uh, for each individual team. You know, they've got their own session. For me specifically, I've got six classes where I've got all 17 of our varsity sports mixed together. So I've got anywhere from 30 to 50 kids, you know, in our weight room at a given time and they're all going. Um, but it's a unified approach for me where You know, hey, we are all running the same lift here because I think these are all abilities and all capabilities, you know, qualities that we need to develop Um, in high school kids, honestly, not even just the athletes, but kids in general. They need a certain foundational level of strength just to be able to function daily.
1: Yeah, well, and it's also a really good break in the middle of academic classes, too, to be able to stop and just go work out and maybe not mindless, but it's certainly not sitting in a chair you know, doing more math, nothing against math or anything like that. I never liked math growing up, but instead of chair doing math problems or anything like that, you're getting up, you're, you're getting around, moving around, and then you get to kind of refocus and and get after it. Oh yeah. So at Lawrenceburg, what's your, what's your weight room facility like? Can you kind of describe it for us?
0: Yeah. So, um, I want to say we've got, and this is, it's been my first year here at Lawrenceburg. We've got probably a two, two or 3000 square foot facility, Um, and we've got eight half racks, uh, legend fitness equipment, uh, physio balls, uh, at each rack, two lap pull down machines with rope attachments, two sets of dumbbells. We, I mean, we are very fortunate to, uh, to have the equipment and the space that we do. Um, we fill it up. We definitely use it. Uh, but we are very fortunate to have what we have here, um. We've run the class sessions are 50 minute. Well, 48 minute periods, really. Um, So we'll give them three minutes to get changed and get up here. They'll hit a five to seven minute warm up, depending on whether or not they've got an upper or lower body split that day. Um, And then they get right into their lift. We know we've got to be efficient in here. Uh, We're on a bit of a time crunch. Um, And with 50 kids and only, you know, eight half racks, it, it becomes. At times, it can become kind of like a jockey for equipment. So we've just got to make sure we've got everything spaced out and flowing well. Um, but the kids do a pretty good job of handling that and knowing what to expect in here. Um, so Dude,
1: organization then has to be huge if you're running that many kids yeah. through in that short amount of time, too. Only 48 minutes, uh, and then obviously, you know, getting ready and everything. That that's a, you've got to be super, super prepped for that.
0: Oh, but the kit and that's the thing is, you know, that's just one of the expectations we have is, you know, hey, one, when you're done, you're cleaning your station up, you're wiping everything down, you're making sure everything is back exactly where it goes. And if we need, you know, something set up for the next session, the kids are doing that before they take off. One, it takes a little bit of responsibility off of me Two, it teaches them, hey, there's a standard here. This is the procedure. This is how we do it. You know, we don't miss these little things. Um and they, I mean, they they really appreciate that because they don't have to come in and scramble for things. They know exactly what to expect, where to get things from, where things go back. The kids appreciate the structure of the
1: course. So I know one of the big things that has come up, especially in in high school sports, I think it's been around at the college level a little bit longer. But the idea of individualizing things a little bit more, making things a little bit more um, specific based on Uh, variety of things but you know obviously if i'm a college basketball player then i can be a little bit more specific you mentioned of course being at the high school level you're you're dealing with a lot of athletes and also non-athletes and there's kids who are going to obviously play only one sport you'll have kids playing three you kind of alluded to it earlier but how do you build um, how do you build programs and workouts that are beneficial for everybody that you get in the weight room every day
0: the programming, honestly, the biggest the biggest thing is just don't overthink it. I mean, these kids, for whatever sport they play, they need to there's they need to be able to squat, hinge, press, pull, in my opinion, um, you know, be able to move in all planes of motions and be able to move well. Uh, no kid is going to be perfect. And no matter what program you put together, there's going to be something that doesn't, you know, sit right for a particular kid um, given their anatomy or their training history or whatever the case may be. So I personally, I know I don't have the time to individualize 300 programs. So (laughs) (laughs) we take a unified approach. And, um, you know, if I see a kid who may need more of something, may need more work on the top half of a bench or, um, may need more acceleration work rather than top end work, you know, we might change the squat pattern up a little bit or little things that you just learn to look for as a coach over time, as you, um, you know, in whatever sport, even, I mean, that can apply to, you know, uh, so many different things, but I don't particularly individualize the program as I'm writing it. Um, but we give all of our kids a good foundation of strength, um, upper, lower body and all planes of motion. And, from there, we give them what they need. Uh, I would also say that as a strength coach, I feel as a high school strength coach, I feel like if they want to go get extra work outside with another trainer, um, I'm all for it. Just let me know what it is that you're doing or get me in this other trainer in communication so that we can be on the same page so that I can make sure our AT staff is on the same page because at the end of the day, we're here for the benefit of the kid. So it does me no good to put my ego into something and say, hey, well, we're slapping on these heavy back squats today, regardless of whatever you did yesterday or regardless of however, you know, your other training is going, you know, and it becomes detrimental to a kid that does nobody any good. Um, so it's being, it's being adaptable on one hand. Uh, but I do think the biggest thing is the consistency in our program. We bench squat clean. That's what we test. Um, we test a a bench press, a back squat and a power clean. Uh, for our main three lifts and the accessory uh, supplementary lifts changed from semester to semester uh, based on what we think a kid needs more of. So you just got to keep your eyes open, honestly.
1: What's one of the, like when you have uh, younger kids in the weight room, so maybe they're they're in their first year. I know you're only, you're a year in, but you've been doing this for a while, mm. you know, before you just became the Lawrenceburg strength and conditioning coach. So w- when you're seeing kids coming into the weight room, maybe even for the first time in their lives, Um, where are you seeing the most progress that they make? Like how, what are they doing that creates kind of the best foundation for success as a future lifter and and, and athlete?
0: Generally, it's the kids that come in, um, with a diverse, like sports background, having played multiple sports, uh, Mm. as a kid, you know, uh, especially like, I love our girls who are, who've been gymnasts, you know, they're really, they really pick up movements a lot easier, um, than it seems to be for a lot of our other girls. Um, and eventually, you know, they end up picking it up, but the, the ones who have had a experience moving their body in different ways and doing different things outside of a formal training setting, they come in and they pick things up a little bit quicker. Um, so if you can in any way at the youth level, I mean, as a high school coach, if you can encourage them at the youth level to go and try something new, go play another sport, you know, go just have fun as a kid. By the time they get to you, um, they'll just have a greater appreciation in my opinion for what they're doing and a greater ability to pick up the skill because they've tried different things before different ways to move their body. Um, but then, I mean, you know, obviously I think the biggest thing that I see the difference between our boys and our girls, A general rule of thumb is I tell our boys, you know, Hey, lower the weight, you know, take your ego out of it. And I have to tell our girls a lot of the time, Hey, you know, increase the weight here, go up here. That looks good. You know, let's do a little bit more. Um, and that just that's something that I have definitely noticed, but I feel like we're nailing that down. We're taking, you know, these kids are they're starting to get an idea of how this thing is supposed to look, how it's supposed to go. And they're starting to to take ownership of their their training. And that's a really, really cool thing to see.
1: Well, that, you know, one of the tough things that I imagine for like running a high school weight room, and again, I can only really rely on my own experiences. And then a few times where uh, maybe our weights teacher was gone for the day and I had to cover for one of the periods. So I, very limited experience within the weight room, working with a huge range of kids, but you know, building a culture where kids feel comfortable, like, you know, not to stereotype, but yeah, high school boys, they, if they, if you can't lift really heavy weights, and you're in a weight room, and you see all these dudes lifting really heavy weight and just slinging it. Um, it's an intimidating place to be, and you can you can definitely have kids that come to the weight room. Probably, I assume that maybe are are scared to really like be appropriate with the amount of weight they're doing, the amount of reps they're doing, the foundation of it, because they look around and they're either intimidated or their ego gets into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you mentioned on the girls' side too. One of the things that you see is you know maybe not putting enough weight on. And so building culture then within a weight room obviously becomes super important and building relationships with all these kids. And you mentioned, you know, through a given, you know, week you're working with 300 plus kids. And so how have you gone throughout this first year to build relationships, to build culture, to make the weight room a safe place, but a place where people are willing to take risks because ultimately that's what you need to do within the weight room to get better.
0: I. You, in my opinion, you got to show a little bit of vulnerability as a coach. You know, um, you've got to open up a bit. You know, I don't think that kids are really going to be receptive to coaches who who only talk to them about their training or their sport. You know, you've got to build that relationship with them outside first, and show that you care about them as a person before they're willing to take those risks. Before they're willing to, uh, you know, buy into what you're saying about encouraging each other. You know, about buying into the team and buying into the the, the program of athletics is, you know, how we do things here in athletics as a whole. So some of the ways that we did that, um, and some of the ways that we, you know, we still do that. The first, I remember the first week I got here, I, I asked just the sport coaches, you know, who their, who their main players were, who were the ones that were the leaders on their team, you know, whether it was vocal or whether it was, you know, just by their talent their ability on the field, but don't get, you know, don't give me anybody who you would have to question, um, you know, their character who you would say, you know, I don't know if I can leave this person regardless of how talented they are, you know, that I can, you know, I can't leave in a room by themselves and expect them to do what they're supposed to do. And then from there, I just I placed a premium on, you know, on character on are you going to be a good spot? Are you going to be a good partner? Are you going to be coaching technique um, when I'm not there? Because ultimately I've got 50 other kids in this room. I only have two eyes. I need to be able to rely on you as a, as a younger as a young coach. Once I show you how to do something, can you then, you know, be act as an extension of me when I'm not looking? And that is the standard, you know, that we've tried to uphold is one of encouragement, one of enthusiasm. You know, I want our football players in here when they've got volleyball girls or soccer girls in here, when they rip off a set of pull-ups, you know, you're just as hyped for them as you are for your teammate hitting 225 on bench for the first time, you know, and the girls, they give it back to the guys when they hit a PR that they know – that they've been looking for. So everybody gets really excited about everybody's training and the leaderboards go up and this just, it becomes a place where the culture is competition. Um, but it's healthy competition. Nobody's putting anybody down. You know, we don't tolerate that in here. It's not, I, I can't get better. It's just, it's not that I can't do this. It's just, I haven't figured out how to do it yet. Um, and I think we've really, you know, bought into that as a, as a program. So very fortunate to have that out of our athletes.
1: What's the what's the go to song or playlist or or music selection within oh, your weight yeah. room? I let uh,
0: I let each one of our periods create the playlist at the beginning of the year. Right. Um, so that was something that actually you know gets them fired up because they're like, oh, you know, coach is going to let us pick the music. Yeah, you know, go crazy. Just make sure that we're working while we're in here. If I had to pick a song, probably I don't across all six playlists. Probably dreams and nightmares, Meek Mill. Yeah, <laughs> dreams and nightmares for sure. That one. Anytime that one comes on to banger, um, 3,500 by, uh, Travis Scott. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, man, they, these kids are, these kids are a fun group. They know, they know how to get after it.
1: <laughs> well, that's what's I, I just, I remember my own time in the weight room, uh, as a high school kid and getting hype for music, having leaderboards, you mentioned like getting hype for, uh, I was just about to say teammates, and I guess in a way you are teammates with each other, but the other people in your weight room, because you know, a lot of the kids in your weight room aren't necessarily people you normally hang out with or talk to, and so you know you'll have this huge cross section of people. Like we've mentioned before, some of them aren't even technically athletes within the you know the school, and so um, building culture in a weight room is one of the. I think one of the most fun things to do, because when you get kids, like you mentioned, buying into it, buying into healthy competition, being genuinely happy for other people when they reach goals that they have for themselves, like it's, I don't know if there's a more fun place to be within a high school.
0: Nah, man. I mean, and that's really what it is, you know, and I tell them every chance I get, I always make sure, I always make sure that I tell them every chance I get, like, you guys are the reason I'm having so much fun. Like you guys are the reason why, you know, I love what I do. Are you, and I, I'm honest with them, man. Are you guys, you know, a pain in my butt sometimes? Yeah. But that doesn't mean, you know, I don't love you guys. I want to see you guys come in and get better. I'm vulnerable with them. I'm, I'm human with them. Um, and they really, they really appreciate that because, you know, then when you ask them, you ask them to do something, they're like, you know, he wants the best for me. I know this coach Henry wants the best for me. My teammates want the best for me and they're, they're going all out. So let me go with them and together, you know, over their four years at the high school, they watch this progression and then they start to see it, you know, within themselves, within the team, within, you know, other sports. And they're like, oh, man, this place is just this really cool place of of growth, of development, of positivity. Sure, I failed in there a couple of times, but then they start to understand the value of failure. Right. Then they start to understand that, you know, even though I didn't have a great day every single day in there, that's still a place that I need and want to be. Um so for, and fortunately I've had the backing of administration and sport coaches as well. I've been very fortunate with that and parents from the community as well, um, to, you know, throw their kids in here and say, Hey, you know, you're going to get this right. You know, you're going to do it how he wants to do it and you're going to get something from it. So I've, uh, I don't know if I have the same situation as uh, a lot of other, you know, coaches out there, but. Um, if you if you have the backing of administration of sport coaches, of parents, you are in a crazy, crazy, crazy position um, that, you know, not a lot of coaches get to experience. So take
1: advantage of that. Yeah, super fortunate. No kidding. What if uh, let's say let's say, you know, a couple years down the road, uh, the admin or or maybe the you know got a parent who comes by and cuts you a check and says, hey, buy something for the weight room. What's kind of your dream, dream piece of equipment for the weight room that you don't have in there yet?
0: (laughs) I tell you, it's not even really a piece of equipment. I think the biggest thing uh, that's valuable um, is space. You know, if I don't know how big Mm. the check would have to be, but if we could knock out, (laughs) we could knock out a wall and throw in, you know, another another 500, 600 square feet of space um, just to use, you know, for whatever reason. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. You can do so many things, you know. With just space, I tell them, I tell our kids all the time. All this equipment's really nice; it's, it's all shiny and good and everything. But two things: if we don't have the space to move in here, and you guys aren't here, this this room doesn't move without you guys. None of it matters. So, yeah, man, space would be the biggest thing. But if I had to, if I actually had to uh, pick a random piece, oh man, yeah, it would definitely be kettlebells kettlebells a nice mm. a nice extensive set of kettlebells where everybody could have the amount of equipment to do what they need to do you can do so much with it um whether it's power devo strength training i mean whatever it is um you can do so much with them so much variety so many variations and so many different things i, I love them
1: so you talk about space i was just uh we so our school district just got this huge bond passed a couple of years ago to we've got six giant high schools here and they're kind of adding on and renovating a bunch of them. And um, our school has bar none, the smallest weight room in the district. And I was so sad when they did this bond work and decided where the money was going to go. And we're we're not changing our weight room at all. It's going to be the same small one. It's like split into three rooms. The ceilings are like nine feet tall. It's just this cramped little corner. And I just imagine like what they could do if they had space. And it's one thing that just like you're mentioning, like better than any equipment. It's just the space to have for kids to actually get in like full workouts and have the space not to worry about timing and like you're mentioning 48 minutes trying to get everything done and just uh man the gift of space would be so nice oh man
0: i it's we place a premium on it and we're in a five-day week you know with the class uh monday tuesday thursday friday we'll run an upper lower split so they hit upper lower they hit upper body twice a week hit lower body twice a week we take them out on wednesday out into the gym floor um and when the weather's nice we take them outside onto the turf we just let them move around do some med ball work out there um And just really let them get out from under all the heavy stuff. But like just being in space, man, just being able to move their body, you know, it's cool to be able to lift a bunch of weight. But the reason we do it is so you move your body better. Um, And to really and to be able to see that, I mean, you just you need the space for it, man. To be able to see it um, as well as you can and be able to really uh, to really lock in on what you need to fix, man, you need you need space, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no kidding. When you go out, so, so, uh, let me rephrase. What what types of stuff do you do to help kids get faster? So like specifically thinking of like sp- either, either acceleration or just max speed sprinting, that sort of a thing. Because um, obviously, it sounds like to me, you're trying to build better athletes, regardless right. of what sport you're going to do. You're going to be a better athlete when you get out of the weight room today. And so specifically with sprinting, what types of things can coaches be doing now to help their kids, regardless of sport, get faster?
0: The, I mean, the biggest thing that I feel like you know, um, a lot of coaches, a lot of a lot of programs miss is you know the said principle, specific adaptation to induced demands, and uh, you know, if you want to get faster, you have to sprint and you have to do it often. You have to sprint often. Um, that does not mean you know going out and running poles or running endless, (laughs) you know, like running endless gassers. Um, you know, it's, it is okay to have a a session. It, and it should, honestly, you should have a speed session where you have more rest than actual work time, you know, way more rest than actual work time. Good rule of thumb, um, that I've used to this point has been for every 10 yards that we sprint, we give them a minute of rest, um, at least. So, Throughout the week, uh, we'll usually go Monday, uh, before school, we'll go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'll, um, uh, I'll come in and whatever athletes I have come in, I've had anywhere from 10 to up to 120. Um, we'll take them out on the field, especially if the weather's nice or we'll take them in the gym if it's, you know, cold or raining outside or whatever. And we'll get about a 45 minute session in where we've got some movement prep. Um, we could have some sled work, uh, depending on what the focus is for that day. Um, but it's not a ton of reps. Honestly, I think, you know, the, the most that we've had in a given session might have been seven or eight sprint reps. Um, but they've all been, I tell them all the time, you know, I want controlled aggression in these sprint reps. We don't have very many. Um, so I'm going to give you the rest time that you need. This is not conditioning, but you are, you're going here, you know, we're all out. Um, that's that's really been the biggest thing i mean i don't know i can get into more detail about that if you want me to um but that's the biggest thing i think you know that we have to do is understand that sprinting is exactly what that is it's a hundred percent it's all out and you can't do that if you're tired so if it looks like it's turning into a conditioning session chances are you're not sprinting you're not getting what you want
1: that's been something i've noticed with our kids so for for baseball we'll do you will do sprint workouts quite a bit or try to anyway And if you I've noticed anyway, until they're trained, when you tell a high school kid um, "Hey, you're going to sprint, you know, 15 yards and then rest until you feel fully rest. And then we'll do it again. Um, If you if you let them go on their own the first couple of times, they'll run that 15 yards and then they'll rest for like 20 seconds and then they'll get up on the line. They'll go again. And you'll be like, did, yeah. did did you really feel fully rest there? <laughs> well, yeah, I felt good. I'm like, no, really, did you did you truly rest? Because when you get a high school kid, they're just like, I don't know what it is. They're so trained to go, go, go that it's hard for them to separate the fact that sprinting is not conditioning. Those are two almost separate things like s- sprint training requires rest and you mentioned like almost a minute for every 10 yards like you have to really train these kids to do that because they will not rest enough time at least not from what i've seen
0: yeah and a lot of it um at least from what i've seen here a lot of it was you know they're they're just trying to prove how tough they are you know it's like hey i, I, I can get up mm-hmm. and go again i can i can give you more i can go harder and it's like okay i want that but i want it at a different point in time, which is how I had to frame it for him, honestly, it was like, I want that. Give me that same energy. Just wait a couple seconds, wait a couple minutes, and then give it to me. And, you know, they honestly, once I told them, hey, we're not conditioning, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not trying to run the run the heck out of you here. Um, you know, they they bought in, they begin to understand, okay, you know, when he says we're conditioning, we're conditioning. But when it's sprint work, these are short controlled reps. Um, they're violent, they're aggressive. They're everything I have and I'm going to get rest in between. So I need to give that same effort every single time. Um, and I need to focus on the technique and the intent of what we're trying to apply here of what we're trying to do.
1: Let's pull the string a little more from the, from the weight room side of things when you come to sprinting, um, and you go to, to the weight training side, what types of things can people do in there to also help with, with speed? Uh, the biggest thing that I've that I've seen a lot of coaches,
0: um, you know, get wrong and has been they don't value training heavy. Um, you know, training. I, it's our, our guys are going to be sore. Our girls are going to be sore. Um, you know, if we train heavy, which, you know, you're going to be sore more so from those sets of 10 sets of 12. And you are going to be from those sets of five and six. Anywho. The, the biggest thing is it takes force. You have to put force into the ground and you've got to be able to develop that force really quickly. At the end of the day, you've got to be able to develop a force. You've got to be strong to be a sprinter, not saying you got to be 600, 700 pound squatter or whatever it is, but relative to your body weight, relative to your body type, um, you've got to be able to put forces into the ground at optimal angles. Um, and to do that, we create those, we create those forces and we create those angles in the weight room, whether it's box squatting versus, you know, full depth squatting, you know, uh, if it's a back squat or a front squat, or it's getting more single leg training in, um, it's, you you just have to be paying attention. A lot of time it's, it's not mimicking the movement of the sport or of what you're trying to accomplish it's taking components of it and breaking them down within those lifts
1: all right a couple quick hitters for you uh let's go here what's the most uh overused or overrated um either like lift or like exercise equipment that that kids use oh gosh
0: kids and see kids in general don't want to do them i feel like it's coaches that want to do them um (laughs) Oh <laughs> well, like, yeah,
1: maybe that's the way we should phrase yeah. it.
0: Burpees. Like if I if I see another burpee for whatever reason or like football in particular is like up downs. Football loves up downs and I'm just like, oh gosh, my hip flexors. Um I mean I get that you wanna you know, it's I get that you wanna have a consequence or whatever, but like can we please find something better? Oh, because we're not doing anything other than making this kid more tired. <laughs> um but yeah, I would say those are pretty. I've still not found a great use for them outside of you know the metabolic work.
1: <laughs> well, you brought up a good. You brought up a good point too, which is, I think, what a lot of us, maybe you're, again, you're younger. This is such a weird thing to say. I graduated in two thousand seven, so I consider everyone older than me. So it's really weird to talk to someone who's younger than me. But uh, you know, when when a lot of us were growing up. Um, we on our sports teams were, you know, face consequences or punished and had to do some sort of, you know, conditioning or something for that as a way to kind of, um, help kids not do whatever that was again, sort of a deal, right. Uh, to make us more, you know, physically tough or I don't know, whatever, you know, if you're a coach and that's part of your mindset is that you want to have some sort of consequences, um, you know, I I, I just feel like it could be so important to talk to whoever's in your building, whether you have an SNC coach or not, or use Twitter, it doesn't matter, and find maybe more sports-specific stuff or stuff that's actually going to make your kids better at the same time, because you're mentioning burpees. You know, if we spent two minutes today on burpees in football practice, couldn't we have found two minutes worth of another exercise to use that would also get our kids Better, right?
0: You know, specific, like specifically. I mean, like I've I've gone, you know, to coaches with things like, all right, that kid needs to be able to externally rotate their hips better, or they need a little more core stability. You know, like ha- give them something that would make them specifically better. I'll write it up myself, like I'll, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Just don't run the heck out of them because, like, don't don't beat them up too bad before they've got to come in here get the training in and get the adaptation that you want them and you need them to have when it comes time for them to play. Um, You know, uh, but I mean, there, there's a ton, there's a ton of ways to go about it. Personally, I'm not, uh, we do, I mean, the biggest thing as far as punishment goes in our weight room, you know, if you drop a bar or, you know, slam a weight or anything like that, you got 25 pushups. All our kids know that rule. Rarely ever is it broken. Um, and when when it is, I don't even have to look at them. They just knock them out. The <laughs> it's not. I mean, punishment, in my opinion, doesn't do near anywhere near as good as positive feedback, you know, and, tell, and encouraging a kid and hyping them up when I see a, when I see a positive behavior outside the norm. When I see a kid, you know, trying to take the same cues that I'm giving and coach another kid up when I see a, a senior talking to a freshman. When I see, um, you know, our female athletes, you know, getting after each other and really hyping each other up, um, it's you have to feed into that, in my opinion, and you and you have to you have to let them know that not only is that encouraged, but it's expected. You know, because the seniors leave the freshmen who come in, they don't understand the culture, and it's up to the sophomores and juniors to maintain and uphold that you know um i tell them all the time you know this is as much as this is my weight room it is your weight room what you get out of this is what you put into it so you know treat it with the same respect uh, that it that it shows you
1: and how, how cool is that as a coach when you start to see your kids um using some of the same phrasing you use uh stepping in and and coaching up other kids especially younger kids and pulling them up with you and just like, it's just it's such a cool experience as a coach to see the culture that you that you want and that you envision when you actually see it kind of come into life in front of you with high school kids.
0: Oh, it's it's the coolest thing ever, man. And like, uh, you know, like we mentioned earlier on the podcast, I just spent a week, not a week, probably four or five weeks, um, out in California and uh from one of the sessions that I was not here for that some of the, the sport coaches were running. I had, uh, they sent some videos of just some of the training that was going on. And, you know, I'd see these kids that are coaching each other, up, um, that are, you know, nothing, nothing was different from the fact that I wasn't there. Um, I had a couple kids, you know, text me or tell me that they, you know, hit a PR, you know, hit a rep PR for on whatever lift or, they accomplished something while I was away that they'd really been working at, you know, and they wish I was there to see it. You know, they're they're just as excited about their own training, you know, and the culture is just we've been really fortunate to be able to create that here.
1: That's so fun, especially because I mean you've, you've obviously been able to do it kind of quickly. Um, okay, let's go the opposite direction. Um, what's something that's really underrated that maybe coaches, <laughs> we'll phrase this better, maybe coaches or kids um, aren't maybe taking advantage of as often as they should in terms of either a specific exercise or piece of equipment?
0: A specific exercise or piece of equipment? Um, a split squat? Or movement, maybe. A split squat. I love a good split squat. Um, so I, I, and I honestly think I might put pull ups up there with them too. Um, with a split squat, you get a lot of uh, you can obviously you'll get the lower like you'll you'll get the strength you'll get the strength side out of it. But I like the ankle mobility piece to it. Um, if you, I am of the opinion you need to be able to put your knees over your toes. You want to be able to jump higher. You want to be able to run faster. You need to be able to create uh, a deeper shin angle, and our split squat specifically front foot elevated um, really helps with that. Um, and we'll have different variations, honestly, throughout the year on it. But, uh, a second one would honestly be a pull-up. I think that it's for grip strength, for posture, for, um, you know, just strength in the post chain. I mean, it's second to none really. Um, and it's one of those things where, it's so you can hop up and do them anywhere. Just find like a stable, you know, just find like a stable place to be able to pull yourself up from. Like we've got beams that kind of hang throughout the weight room. We've got, um, you know, the attachments on the rack, like, you know, you, we have the space to get that done. So why not? And I don't have to buy any equipment for it. So, um, it's a really, you know, bang for your buck type of deal. And, I think we get a lot out of it. Uh, pull-ups are usually somewhere in our program for our guys and our girls across all sports um, throughout the entire year.
1: <laughs> a nice thing with that too is you just you just need something strong enough to hold a person up, and you can get them done too. So when you're talking about space and things like that, that's a really easy one that you can do even with minimal minimal space around you.
0: Oh yeah. And they, and our kids here, I mean, they, they love it. You know what I'm saying? Once I can, they can, you know, complete a whole set or add another one on top or start to weight it up. You know, it just, they get really jacked about it. I, I, I love our kids. They're a bunch of meatheads. <laughs>
1: <laughs> one thing, uh, high school kids tend to do a lot of, uh, which drives me nuts is they don't eat breakfast. Um, yeah. and there's, you know, whatever the reason I don't, it doesn't really matter, but, um, If a kid mentions to you, if you ask, Hey, what'd you have for breakfast? or, you know, and and she says nothing, or I didn't eat, or he says, Yeah, I didn't have breakfast. What's your response to that kid?
0: Uh, After I get frustrated in my own head, (laughs) um, (laughs) not outwardly with the kid, you know, because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the biggest differences, you know, between high school and college is there's just less control at the high school level over what they put in their body. Um, But. We here use the Gatorade Performance Partner Package. Uh, so Gatorade will actually—it's uh, like 120 bars and 120 shakes, protein bars and protein shakes for like $155, right? Um, so you get 240 items for $155. Well, we sell them for a dollar a piece, just kind of as kind of a general like weight room fund. You know, the extra money goes into T-shirts and whatever. But eventually it was cool enough. We had sold enough of them to where they started, you know, being able to, you know, pay for themselves. And now I can say, all right, I know this kid didn't eat. Let me go get him a bar and a shake real quick and I won't charge him anything for it. Like, I'm not gonna send a kid throughout their entire day, um, you know, without at least something on their stomach, you know, that's one of the ways that we can help. Um, Our school here also, does a really good job with, uh, you know, free and reduced lunch. Um, I think everybody, I'm not sure if it's the state of Indiana or if it's, uh, across the nation, but I think, uh, it's like free breakfast for everybody now. So that's a good thing if they can get here on time and if they can't, I honestly try to have a couple snacks for them in the weight room. Um, and in the athletic training room, I know our ATs do a good job of that. Keeping some granola nuts, beef jerky or whatever, just, um, from out whatever out of whatever funding that we can get and if we can't like i said use the Gatorade performance partner um deal and it begins to pay for itself so now we've got our own kind of sustainable you know fund for things like that that come up
1: uh, such a better way than lecturing a kid too about not eating breakfast for you know probably the 10th or 11th time for that kid you know that, that year. you're like that's and, and and self-sustained too you mentioned after not too long and it's and it's cheap that's a really good idea for coaches i think
0: oh i was i've was, I was spent more time lecturing kids about breakfast you know that's a that's a losing <laughs> battle you know and yeah. if, and if anything if they are eating breakfast and they're just like i'll ask them you know hey what'd you have for breakfast oh, I a huge bowl of sugar oats and i'm like all right well even before I'll tell them <laughs> to like take the cereal out and you know supplement it with like oatmeal or whatever, I'll tell them I'm like, all right, keep the sugar oats. Can we add an egg or two in there? Can we add in, yeah, you know, uh, some fruit or some sort of bacon or sausage or whatever, you know? And more or less, usually I've got four years with them for them to get this right. You know, I'd love for them to all get it as freshmen, but that's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. You know, it's a process, but once they, once they try it, um, I found that they, they, uh, are receptive and they understand, you know, maybe not fully, but they at least see that, okay, this is a key factor. My nutrition is a key factor.
1: Yeah. It's, it's super important for kids and, and everybody really. But, uh, yeah, the, the first battle I've, i found had with a lot of kids is just, just eat something at least. Yeah. And then we can, like you mentioned, we can build from there, but make sure you're putting stuff in your body. Um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of coaches uh, who uh, of of a sport who kind of end up having to take on the role as the strength and conditioning coach for their team because of you know the way that their school district um, you know runs weight rooms or doesn't run them, that sort of a thing. So, just in terms of people who aren't strength and conditioning coaches, but who kind of get tossed into that role just out of necessity because they want their kids getting faster and stronger, and they're the only person around that can help them do that, uh, what types of resources or or Twitter follows or like what directions would you send them?
0: There are a couple um, coaches, you know, across the nation who offer programming uh, specifically for high school teams. Um, and for high school programs overall, um, however individualized or general you want to get. Um, Derek Smith, he's a really good one. Uh, Pat Basil is a really good one. Uh, Cody Hughes is a really good one. Um, like I said, though, if you know you have a, a quality trainer in the area, um, like I know around the Sensi area, one of the guys we have uh, is Pat Coyne over at uh, Black Sheep Training. And some of, our, some of our kids go out to him. Um, and I'm like, you know, I know he does. I know he does good work. Uh, he works with everybody, you know, from youth athletes on the pros. Um, so if you have a good trainer in the area, you know, don't be afraid to take your ego out of it and say, Hey, go get that training in. Um, but if you really feel like you just, you don't know where to start, um, don't overcomplicate it, you know? if you really feel like you don't have a grasp on it, the worst thing that you can do, in my opinion, um, as a sport coach is to think, Hey, we're just going to slap these three sets of 10 on for every single set. We're going to do some heavy benches, some heavy squats. And, you know, our kids are going to be stronger. Take the time to at least swing your kids in the right direction. And then from there, um, you can reach out to some other strength coaches in the area or within the state of wherever you're at. And generally we're all willing to help out. I think that's the coolest thing um, that I've seen so far across the high school strength coaches that I've come across the throughout the nation is no one has ever at least looked me in the face and been like, no, I'm not willing to help you. No, I'm not willing to give you any, <laughs> any type of, you know, without even some sort of financial compensation, like nobody, <laughs> Nobody has looked at me and been like, "Nah, you're on your own." You know, everybody's willing to help. So if you don't reach out and you don't use the resources you have available to you, um, honestly, that's on you. <laughs> you're doing your kids, a diss- <laughs> you're doing your kids a disservice.
1: Yeah, dude, people are so willing. I was just say people are so willing to help. And you mentioned earlier, uh, Kevin Vanderbush, who's you know gone to the Hall of Fame now. You mentioned he just giving away this whole Google drive full of resources. Like there's just people, if you're working with high school kids, it just seems like people are willing to help. And even if they charge money for their services, um, if you, you send someone a DM, they're probably responding and helping you anyway. Right.
0: And that, I mean, that's honestly all it takes now is just hop on Twitter or Facebook, shoot a DM, throw a tweet, throw a post status, whatever it is, and just ask for help. And generally somebody will see it. I mean... Some, somebody will see it and somebody along the way will be willing to help out or at least point you in the direction that they were guided into. Um, you know, feel if anybody listening, you know, feel free to reach out to me. I can swing you in the direction that you want to go. Um, so don't – I mean, you know, you owe more than that to these kids than to just jump in it blind and throw it at them. <laughs> Honestly, you owe you owe those kids way more than that.
1: You Yeah, I, I agree. Anything you can do – and we've never had – like easier, better access to each other and information obviously than we do right now in this moment. And it'll just obviously keep getting easier and better as we go. Um, before we kind of, kind of fade out, um, I did want to bring this up and I know it's, it's fresh and I don't mean to, um, you know, end on a, on a hard note, but, um, I think it would offer some value to coaches because I think all of us, if we haven't yet, we'll go through a time where, um, uh, you know, a kid that goes to our school, that's part of our community um, could pass away. And, and you guys had somebody recently, Brady Gabbard, who I kind of followed along with from a distance, yeah. um, who's diagnosed with cancer and, and obviously passed away very uh, recently um, during the summer. And it all seemed to happen really quickly. Um, and so just from a, a coaching standpoint, as a coach, Either what you know, other coaches at Lawrenceburg have done, or district leaders, or what you have done. Um, what what have you kind of learned through the moment of how we as coaches can help the community if and when something like that were to were to happen? Right.
0: So Brady Gabbard, uh, he was fourteen, uh, diagnosed with stage four renal carcinoma, um, and I want to say from the time without. I don't want to get this wrong for the sake of the family, but I want to say from the time of diagnosis to his passing, I want to say was 16 days. So it happened fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing that I learned uh, was just the, the power of community and the power of support from, you know, the individual teams and, Members of the school corporation and everybody, really, specifically here within Lawrenceburg, it was a really a, it was really um, uplifting and empowering, really, to see everybody come together uh, for the sake of the family. Um, and the fact of the matter is that it it took all of that, it took the strength of everybody here, um, and it still does, and it's going to for a long time to come to be able to overcome this one and see it through uh, because it is tough. But I think the biggest thing as coaches that we can do, honestly, um, you know, be paying attention at all times to who these kids are hanging out with, who the cliques are, who who they interact with, um, because we communicated as mo- across multiple staffs of like, OK, I know he was close with this kid, this kid, these kids. You know, she's handling it really hard or he is or he hasn't eaten or, you know, you've got to be. That's why we communicate. You know, it's not the PR on the back squad. It's are we checking in checking in on these kids, making sure they're OK, you know, um, especially um, just right now with mental health, with youth mental health at that speci- at that specifically, um, the status of that across the country right now is just not it's not great. But the biggest thing we've done as a staff is just stayed in constant communication. And I've I've told kids straight up, I don't care what time of day it is, what you know, I. I will pick my phone up, you know, call me, talk to me. I, I tell our kids all the time, you know, I know I'm the strength coach. I know it's about, you know, being strong and being tough. Um, but the first thing I tell them before they ever touch a weight in here is the strongest thing that they can do is be vulnerable in here. The strongest thing that they can do um, is express how and what they're feeling. Um, and I specifically hammer that home with my boys more so than my girls um, because, I don't want them to get wrapped up in that culture of, you know, I'm, I've am i got to be this tough, this athlete who uh, doesn't feel pain or doesn't feel, um, you know, is not allowed to feel a negative emotion. You know, that's just false. Uh, you know, some people will call it toxic positivity. Um, but that is the biggest thing that I express to them, and especially around the, uh, the situation with Brady is, you know, hey, reach out. We've got counselors at the school, um, if you need them, uh, you can always call my number. You can always call another coach's number, go hang out with some friends. I want you guys to spend time with each other. Um, but outside of the community gatherings, you know, it's, it was really about rallying together as a tiger community and, uh, really doing everything we can to even as coaches to uphold each other and to uplift each other. Cause you know, um, we do it for the kids, but we got to do it for ourselves as well. And it's, uh, as tough as it is, um, the biggest thing has, is community, man. Just, you got to talk, you got to talk, you got to talk, you got to talk, you got to reach out. You can't sit in solitude. You can't isolate, um, because that's when things really go left. And fortunately to this point, we've not had that happen. And I really hope to continue to see it happen.
1: Well, and it's one thing where um, it helps kind of show the importance of what high school sports, and through the lens of high school, you know, strength and conditioning, because ultimately it's it's almost its own sports program to how, how big it is and how much work it takes to run and how many kids you're involved with. Um, just the power that we have as as coaches, um, as educators, with these kids to. Help provide them with that structure and that, you know, like you're mentioning mental, especially coming off the, you know, the backside of the pandemic and, you know, with with all the problems kids are having with mental health even before we, you know, they became isolated for so long, um, kind of being stuck at home and doing remote learning and everything that goes into that and just, um, yeah, it, it goes back to what you said earlier too about why you know high school sports are where you want to stay. And even though you've been at the college level and you've been at Purdue, like you've, you've been in some major places, but um, there's just something special about high school sports and the scene that and the community that we all get to be a part of. And, um, you know, we never want a tragedy to happen or anything. But if and when one does, the structure of, of the high school community is one that can really help support not only the family that it happens to, but then obviously all of the kids that are involved. And like you're talking about, like tracking down almost like contact tracing, like who is who is really close with this particular kid? Who do we need to check in on? Everything that goes into that. So just kind of a, a huge ode to to how well the Lawrenceburg community obviously is handling this and just. um Yeah. Heart goes out to you guys over there,
0: man. We really appreciate it, man. And it's, it has, it's definitely been a, it's been tough. It's been something that um, has been an obstacle that we definitely didn't see coming, but I think everybody here is on the same page of, of moving forward for, uh, you know, in Brady's name, honestly, he was a great kid Um, ball of energy every time we saw him. Um, And, you know, kids gravitated towards a man he was always the guy who uh he just had a bunch of he had a bunch of friends and um as tough as as tough as that was and as tough as it is moving forward you know we got to do it and we're going to do it together so we really appreciate that man thank you
1: well, for sure. And, and, and with him only being 14, when he passed away, that means obviously you're going to have, um, you know, three or four years, maybe more really, um, of kids coming through Lawrenceburg high school who were close with him, who knew him well. And so, um, in many ways, it'll probably, um, end up bringing, bringing that group together even more. So, um, obviously once, once we get past the early parts of it, but, um, yeah, really rough to deal with. I, I wouldn't wish on anybody, but, um, happy that you guys are kind of traversing your way through this best you can Uh, let's try to end on a a somewhat lighter note you mentioned earlier that you you know when you were i think you said seven or maybe younger i don't know it's 2004 whatever whatever it was i can't remember Uh, Hmm. but you guys uh moved to uh basically to indianapolis and so you gotta ask are you uh you know living in the motor speedway are you uh are you a nascar guy
0: (laughs) actually no man my best friend is uh, <laughs> Dontre graves my my opinion on the race man and you know he'll tear me up about it off, off one side of the room down <laughs> the other i'm like honestly because i i my parents live in speedway so they they uh they catch all the race traffic and everything and we're like hold up for two or three days at a time can't go to the store you know all race weekend so you know on one end like it's definitely something you got to go experience um i'm not too much into it but my best friend man dontre graves he's a he actually works in nascar social media department so if you ever see (laughs) i I give him a lot of stuff for it but if you ever see like a a spongebob video or some weird meme come across from a nascar page chances are it's probably him shout out to my guy (laughs) um but uh nah man i mean as far as indie goes you know Biggest the best, the most fun events in India, in my opinion, like sporting events, are like the high school basketball games all throughout the mm-hmm. really like the state of India. Yeah. Like it's it's huge here, man. Um, you know, you get your Pikes, your Lawrence North, Ben Davises. You know, who uh, my brother would be able to tell you honestly more of the basketball players that came out of here, but you know, um, at least the uh, league guys. But it's it's a different scene, man. The arenas, the energy, and you know getting to have a front row seat to that you know during the winter uh it's a it's a really fun time man you gotta you gotta eat it up when you come
1: yeah I've never been to Indiana but I I I need to go and watch watch men's basketball there or women's too I've heard really amazing things about the high school basketball scene there you're not the first person to say it when I was really little I don't know maybe nine or ten my family uh my, my parents both Came out here to Oregon many years ago, like long before I was born. But they were both raised in Delaware, and uh, and Delaware a lot of people there are huge into NASCAR. And we went over there, and uh, we were staying with with my aunt and uncle. And we were he was a huge NASCAR fan, and they we're, we're sitting there on a Saturday, and he, he we turns the race on, and we're sitting there watching it. I remember being like nine or ten, just like. We're seriously just watching these cars <laughs> drive around and <laughs> like 500 laps. What are we doing right now? Uh, so, yeah, never got into it either, so don't feel they're,
0: bad. They're turning left. I don't get re- – <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there they went again. Okay. Uh, man, anyway, I loved having you on, DeMarco. I appreciate it. I know this was uh, a busy time for you this, this last few days, and I, I just really appreciate it. It's been fun for me doing the show, this podcast, because I get – people recommended to me and then some people reach out and they want to be on the show. And you just happen to pop across the screen because I think Derek Smith liked a tweet where you were receiving, um, you know, kind of a scholarship type award um, at that big convention. And so I just like, oh, let's just reach out to this guy and see if he wants to come on. And I'm glad I did. You were awesome. But before I let you off, I just wanted to kind of hand the mic off to you one more time and just give you a chance if there's anything we missed or any advice you have or anything you want to kind of leave coaches with and just, just let you have the reins.
0: Oh, uh, man. No, I, I appreciate you for having me on, Max. I mean, dude, the biggest the biggest thing that I've learned that's held true to this point um, that, you know, every single coach has given me as far as some wisdom goes is, you know, remember, it's it's always about the kids. You know, it's always about them. Leave. You know, you're telling them to leave their ego at the door, but you definitely better check yours um, just because, you know, you got to lead by example. um. And ultimately it's about their safety and it's about them having a a, a, an experience that will be able to, they'll be able to carry with them for the rest of their life. So, um, in everything that I do, man, that's the, that's the biggest thing is, is it, am I, am I sure that this is for them and am I sure that this is about them and what they need and what is optimal for them? So once I've checked that box, um, you know, we're usually good to go, man. So that would be the biggest piece of advice I could give, but I appreciate you for having me on the show, man. It was dope. Um, Dude, you're great, man. I appreciate it.
1: I appreciate you. Uh, an hour and 10 minutes went by really quickly. and Anytime that happens, uh, I think it's a pretty good conversation. So, uh, again, thank you, DeMarco. Go Tigers. Thanks for coming on. Hey, I appreciate you having me, Max. Good luck this year, man. Dude, DeMarco may be young, but that guy is an absolute stud, and it's going to be fun to watch his career as he continues to jet forward and higher. Because he's just getting started. Uh, If you could do a few things really quickly for me, I'd appreciate it a ton. First, if you haven't joined the club yet, go ahead and do it. It takes about 90 seconds to sign up. You'll instantly become part of the premier national organization of high school coaches, trainers, administrators, parents, players, and more, all of whom are dedicated to high school student-athletes. And you'll get the weekly newsletter in your inbox every single Wednesday for free. You can do that by heading over to highschoolcoachesclub.com where you can also pick up some stickers for your podium, lawnmower, dashboard, or wherever you want to put them. And if you wouldn't mind, you'd mean to ton to me also if you left a rating, possibly even a review, wherever you're listening to this. Lastly, and this is the most important one, a share goes a long way. A retweet, uh, emailing it to a friend, mentioning it to your neighbor, doesn't matter. Would you take a few minutes and share this episode wherever makes the most sense for you? If you did that, I would absolutely love it. Thanks so much. Huge fist bump to DeMarco Henry for jumping on the call with me here today. And thanks again to Netting Pros for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email max at highschoolcoachesclub.com all right that's all i got you're awesome you matter thanks for everything you do and as coach lee would say loving you